Yo, what's up, everybody? What's up, Billy? How's it going? Thank you for joining us. Episode 147. Yes, that's correct. 147. I always had to think about it. There's too many numbers these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's getting up there. Uh, yeah, good to see you, Austin, as well. Hope everything's going well. Happy episode 147. We have a very special guest, a good pal of mine I've known for a long time, and I'm looking forward to getting into everything with his background and his skating. Uh, he's such like a huge influence and definitely was around during like that super exploratory time in like the 2000s where like everyone was like trying to really see what was possible on blades. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into that with him. But uh, yeah, before anything, first and foremost, I want to do my quick little spiel. I'm going to make it very short today. If you don't, please follow us on all of our social media platforms. We have a Facebook, we have an Instagram, we have a YouTube. You can subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave a comment, share. It's all very helpful. We have an iTunes. If you like what you're hearing, you can give us a five-star rating, a review, and we also have a Patreon. You can be a Patreon for as little as $3 a month. You have instant, you have uh, exclusive access to uh, content. We, we're doing a trick tips we do behind the scenes with our guests like we watch section reviews you get to come on and ask our guests uh questions before anyone else does and uh you are automatically entered to win something from our online drawing every month we do a monthly drawing with our patrons and if you win you get something for free from our online store so that is my spiel for today it is short it is sweet and that's what i got i like the new condensed spiel you like it's it? Good. I like it. Yeah. I like it. We'll throw right. it down there. Cool. Um, along the lines of that, let's give a shout out to our new Patreon supporters this week. We have Samuel Brownlee, Mr. Colin Kelso. We got TJ Edwards, Lorinius Prankus, Robbie Brown, and Mike Olson. I hope I pronounced at least some of those names correct. Thank you all so much for supporting us. And we have a WTF this week, which I feel is appropriate considering our guest, if you're familiar with our guest skating. Uh, we have Rob Collette by Patreon supporter. Chad Vigneault. I don't know if I pronounced that correct either, but oof. <laughs> I thought this was super awesome, and it's definitely something that's right up uh, Kenji's alley. So I, I wonder if he has Love a name that. for that. Yeah, it's like a 540 body roll kind of thing. It's so smooth, too. I kind of want to try this now, but I also kind of want to have some padding on my back before I try something like that. Yeah, like motion's like indistinguishable from like a 540, like a regular. It's a perfect bow 540, and somehow he just yeah. managed to slide his back on the ledge too at the same time. Super cool. I love that one. Shout out to Rob Collette. That was really cool. I enjoy that one a lot. Okay. Um, before we get into our guest, um, I want to mention a couple quick things. Um, one, um, so if you don't know, the MetroCard Classic is, is an event in New York City. It is the last weekend of August. We have a preview promotional edit coming out for it. I think, I believe tomorrow, if not tomorrow, then, then Saturday, but probably uh, tomorrow. But we've reached out to some sponsors already and people that are uh, going to be sponsoring the event. But if you would like to be a sponsor for the event, if you want to get involved at this moment, you can just DM us at MetroCard Classic on Instagram. So if you have an Instagram, we're going to do that. But uh, after the edit drops tomorrow, there's going to be a link, an email, all that stuff. Or you could, uh, you could send an email to heavydistributionusa at gmail.com. So those are two ways you can get in touch if you want to be a sponsor for the event. It's a two-day event. The first day is the BPSO 8 at Under the K Skate Park, under the 
Kosciusko Bridge in Brooklyn, New York. Kosciusko? Kosciusko Bridge in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> is, that, is that it? Is that accurate? That's how you say it. Okay. Yeah. As far Every, as I know. Everybody says it differently. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story in a second. And then, okay. <laughs> and then the next day, Sunday, is the return of the NYC Street Invite. It's going to be different than the ones of the past. It's going to be, uh, but it's going to be very cool. So the, that's the two-day. Book your tickets. Book your Airbnb if you haven't already. We're about two months out. We're just under two months out. So it should still be a good time for tickets and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, quickly about, the Kosciusko, about yeah. the Kosciusko Bridge. <laughs> when they were blowing up, they were made the, remember the old bridge? Yeah. Yeah, I used to call it the Kosciusko Bridge. But then they have like a whole thing on the news about how to say it. When they were taking it down, I guess it's I can't think of it, but I, I want to say Albanian immigrant, maybe uh, Armenian, something I can't. But uh, they were saying on the news how to say it. It's Kosciusko. Yeah. Kosciusko. So for anyone who's Kosciusko, anyone Kosciusko. who's interested. Yeah, I, I remember yeah, like, so, trying so to look that. up on the news, too. I remember like somebody posted a clip, I think on like Instagram, I saw of different news reporters all pronouncing it differently, too. It might have been around that time, too, because it was recently. But it's funny because anybody who's outside of New York knows that everybody like doesn't know that everyone in New York pronounces that bridge differently because it's such an, a crazy name yeah. to pronounce for us Americans. So it yeah. makes sense that it's something else. A lot of, co- a lot of like, consonants. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of letters in that. A lot of letters yeah. in there. But um. Yeah, I'm, I'm hyped for the for the Metro Car Classic. It's gonna be a fun time. A lot going on that weekend in New York. I'm super excited for it. And uh, was there anything else, Billy, that you wanted to say about that or no? Yeah, yeah. Uh, quickly, this is a kind of a disclaimer for our last episode, the last Channel 11. I saw there was some criticism about uh, some people not being on the list. Look, anytime you make a list like this, you're gonna mm-hmm. like be you're gonna forget some people. After the episode, I was shocked. Like I forgot Frankie. I was like, oh, I forgot Frankie. How did I forget Frankie? Aragon, we honorable mentioned, but a lot of people thought it should be on the list. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always gonna be tough to do, but we make mistakes. We're not perfect, and it's subjective at the end of the day. So, um, I just wanted to clear that up. We did forget some people. I was like, how did I forget Frankie? But, well, we yeah, we, so we had that, a, we, we had a disclaimer too when we started the show. Like right. it's it's insanely hard. We picked like ten or twelve each. It's like insanely hard right. to number it down to that such a small amount of people when there's so many great people in this industry out of the 30 something years that skating has been around so we did have a disclaimer and maybe we'll do a second one where we could talk more in depth about these other people who other people did feel that deserve or maybe we'll just open it up to you guys who do you guys feel is opened up for a hall of fame we'll do an episode on just your picks instead so that you guys can only complain to yourselves (laughs) that could go that could go (laughs) we'll do something like that but um yeah, are we, are we ready for our guest? Yes. What's everyone feeling like? All right, cool. Everybody, please, without further ado, welcome our very special guest for this episode, Kenji Yi. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Thank you for coming on it's the show. This while. is awesome. Well, I saw you at Blade Cup. Remember? Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. right. It was. It was... Yeah, it was brief, but yeah, I remember that. That was good. I don't forget our interactions, Bill. That was <laughs> yeah. good to see you. And uh, good to see you too. Thanks for having me on. This is an honor, and I've been dreaming about it for like ten years, but too scared to ask or even, you know what I mean? Not ready. But I want to. I want to. I want to be here right now with you guys. So, thank you. We're nice. gonna have a lot well, of fun you. right now. It's gonna be good. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for coming on and. Um, really excited to have you on the episode and great to see you like, you know, coming back strong to skating after having such a strong history and everything that you've like contributed in the, in the past, you've been like 
such a strong presence in skating and like, especially in the creative front and showing what's possible on blades. Um, I want to talk about a lot of things regarding your approach to skating. I want to talk about your influences and all of that stuff, but having you be new on the show um, or first time being on the show, I'd like to hear a little bit about your history. Like a lot of people know you're from Minnesota. There's like a strong like hockey uh, scene there. A lot of people transition transition skating from hockey to aggressive. So I wonder what your uh, introduction to to rollerblading was. Yeah, so I um, I grew up. Uh, I went to high school in Minnesota, but I was living in Kansas before that, um, and it was in Kansas around. I don't know, I was like probably seven years old or eight and my dad bought there's an eye roller blades. Um and hold on one second. I can't see you guys right now. Yeah, I think you just see what all the guests see as well. Oh okay. we're still here, okay. don't worry. <laughs> okay. I'd like to see you guys. I'd rather not look at mine. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll get all of us in here then. We'll join you for okay. this. Thank you. Um so yeah when I was like, you know, super young rollerblading was booming and, you know, my dad just got us all skates and I, um, I like took to it. I liked it more than biking. Biking always kind of hurt my back and I would do like, you know, heel toe, uh, double heel, double toe, jump off a ramp. There were some BMX guys that had a ramp down the street and I just kind of was like, I don't like biking. So I'm gonna try it on these. But at that point I had no idea what aggressive rollerblading was. Um, then around seventh grade into seventh grade, we, we moved to Minnesota. And, um, at that point I was still like a really hardcore soccer player. And, uh, um, I remember at that time I was kind of starting to get burned out on soccer and I just was feeling like robotic, like I can do this on auto, but I'm not really here. Um, and I, I have a memory of during some practice, like looking across the way and there were some skateboarders at some basketball court and it just caught me. And I was like, <laughs> I'd rather be over there, you know? And then, uh, my new, so when we moved into my new, uh, our new place in Minnesota, there just happened to be some skateboarders down the street who had built a really nice mini ramp. I saw that. And I also saw the X games on TV. And I was like, I put two and two together and I was like, I think I want to do that. So my dad. So this was like the nineties or. Yeah, this is 97, 97, 97. Okay. Yeah. And so my dad took me to the sporting goods store and I got Rosie streets <laughs> and I went straight to the ramp with my dad. I didn't know anyone else who did it with my dad and my sister and tried to drop in. <laughs> Damn and off I the bat. Yeah, I fell straight to my tailbone and I couldn't skate. I couldn't. It was bad. Like, a, I think it was a couple weeks. And if you're that young and you're that hurt, it was a bad fall. I didn't know what I was doing. And then, uh, but I still liked it, you know. So when I felt better, um, I ran it. I realized that there was a guy that was like just down the street, halfway between me and the mini ramp. I think his name was Elliot, but I'm not sure. And he had a play rail and he knew how to drop in. So he took me under his wing and he taught me how to drop in and kind of tried to teach me how to grind. But at that point I was just doing like frontside and backside stalls and that was it. And then I started school. Um, I, went, I was going to Orono High School, which is like 45 minutes west of 
Minneapolis. So I'm out there, you know, and I start school and there's other rollerbladers at school, you know, and I'm trying to make friends. Um, and so I'm like, Hey guys, like I have access to a mini ramp. Cause I had already talked to the owner, the skateboarders had gone to college and just left it. And they, they gave me the kind of the key, like you go with me, then you're okay. Nobody else can go, but if you're with me. So then I started bringing some of the guys to the mini ramp. There was one guy named Ben Tierney who could do like top acid and he was the best. And he would do like the tray, you know, the traits thing. Like he would skate like that. And yeah, but, you know, he kind of like, he kind of pushed me to like, you know, get beyond front sides and backside stalls. And then, you know, I, and my dad helped build me some wonky ramps that didn't work right away too steep. And we got it down and then built me a little rail and I put it in the grass and I started practicing. And then I pretty much became obsessed and, uh, then the the funny thing about my entrance into skating is that it took me a few like a few years before i saw a skate video like i saw it on tv and i was a park rat so i'd go to the skate parks and at one point uh i'm probably like you know freshman in high school and i'm definitely getting better you know what the culture is and four down i started going to this place called four down and i remember my first time walking in there the ramps looked massive they were like eight feet which at this point out here in minnesota everything's so tiny i'd probably still feel the same way <laughs> but <laughs> um i see ben weiss um rest in peace and he was the first skater that i saw that was clearly a professional even though i didn't know what that meant he, and then i met you know the frenches i met jake lacroix Jake Moreau, um, I met Chris Farmer, I met um, Marcus Todd. I mean, the, the names go on. Everybody was at four down, um, and everybody was killing it. Baby Jesus, John Larson, <laughs> unreal. <laughs> Mike Silva, unreal. And and I was in a good place to like to learn, you know. So um, I still didn't skate street. I didn't know what was going on, but eventually. I saw my, my first, I've been skating for a long time, but my first video I actually saw was VG10. So uh, that was kind of my entry, total park rat. I remember the first time I went, I didn't know what street skating was. I just would look at like, I would look at, I remember seeing Blake O'Brien's tiny little Solomons and they were shredded. And I'm like, how do your skates look like this? You know, he's skating street and I'm only skating like hoping. Um, and then I remember a guy named Derek, Derek Larson, and I, we were like, we're going to try to go street skating. So we skate from, my mom and dad would just drop me off at four down for like open to close. And that's what I look forward to every weekend. And during the week, I would just practice on my, whatever we had built every day. Um, but then Derek and I were like, we want to try street. So we go out from four down and we find a tap rail. And I don't even think I tried to solo. I don't think I got it, but that was my first time I tried street skating and I stuck with, I liked park still. Um, and then four down closed. And that was like, what the fuck? This is my whole yeah. life. Right. Everything to me. But I had developed a little crew of friends and 
it was Chris Farmer, me, a guy named Greg Morovskis, and Cantry Gans. And they were kind of like, they lived in like not too far from me, west west of Minneapolis. So when Four Down closed, there was no choice. I didn't, there wasn't, a, you know, I was going to start street skating. So, um, so I, there was actually a point there. It's crazy thinking back, but I told my parents, you know, you know, I'm going to start street skating, drop me off downtown, you know? And they said, no, like that's illegal. It's dangerous. Mm. You know, I bawled and was like, said the most awful things to them. And they realized that either I'm walking or I'm street skating, you know, and they let it, they said, well, I'm pretty stubborn. <laughs> so, so that's how, so then I just started skating and like, you know, early days, like that was my little crew. Um, and, you know, skating with Chris at that time, it was unreal because uh, like I'm, at the, I would go to his house and we would go like, we didn't have, we weren't driving yet. So we would go to the rails that he had around his house. He happened to have a couple bad rails, scary rails by his house. And I would go there with him and he would be doing stuff like switch true top acid. And I'm like, okay, if Chris and switch true top acid, then I have to try to soul it. I just got to try, you know? And, uh, and, and I also remember reflecting on like, Nobody even knew who he was at that time, really. And I'm like, and that defined a lot of my early days. Like, I loved the community and the friend. And it, I never dreamed of, fast forward, 39 years old now on a podcast with here, you know? At that time, I just, I just loved the friendship and I loved skating. And any desire to become a name in it or dreams of that, you know, I, it, when you start with Chris, <laughs> you just kind of, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a high yeah, benchmark. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and you know, as time went on, like, let's see, I mean, I got a license. Um, and I was, I'm a year older than everybody in the Chris and those guys, you know? So I started picking them up and we'd start skating downtown and, going all over and you know how it goes you start filming and getting better and developing and before i knew it i was kind of surrounded by a little crew a bigger crew and we called ourselves snf and there was another crew called ldr and we were kind of feuding you know what i mean what, like, what, did, that, what, did, what did that stand for what were the so ldr was like liquor drugs rock and roll <laughs> okay and, and that was ben weiss uh jake moreau uh, the Frenches, Shane McClay, and they were only like a year older than me, you know, and my crew was a, mostly a year younger than me somewhat. And so we're almost the same age, but we were blade, we were pretty much sober blade nerds. And, and they were, you know, going into like a partying lifestyle and they were crazy, you know? So it was a different, uh, approach. Um, yeah. Those so are what did you, what, what, what did yours stand for? SNR? SNF? Meant skate and fight, which sounds tough, but we weren't <laughs> that tough. Uh, yeah. skate, and fight, skate and fight comes from Fargo and Moorhead, Minnesota. So Kai Carlson Wee, Anders Carlson Wee, Billy and Nick Brendan, and a couple other guys there, um, 
they started this skate and fight thing and that was just their crew and when they all moved down by the time i was like uh like i'd skate with them for a little bit in high school i knew we all knew them but then they moved down uh to the twin cities the brendans and the carlston Wees, and they brought smf and we we joined it and if you go back it'd be fun to watch this but remember battle my crew like snf we had a we had sections in battle my crew um and you know we had zach flugum who was filming us and making those sections and he filmed a video called beyond that we all had sections in matt jorgensen nick brendan you know me uh blake o'brien um you know and that was uh that you know that was the first like real video you know even though he did get it he did make copies but i don't know how far you know i don't know how far out it went but yeah so there i am i'm in i'm in high school and and i uh yeah and i'm learning how to you know hang with the guys you know and skate i'm getting better and it was a it was a good time uh that during high school though uh when i when i moved to minnesota right um I was like heartbroken because I had a good group of friends in Kansas. And uh, then when I got to my new school, um, I was just the new guy and some shit went down. That was a misunderstanding. And suddenly I was getting bullied by everybody. And I was so sensitive because like, like say that would have happened in Kansas. I would have had people that I trusted that friends that like I can take a joke, you know, but I was just broken up and it, the bullying wanted to stop and I shut down. And then in every arena of my life, uh, church, uh, school, my, my home life, I was basically, I was completely shut down. Like my parents said to me, what is going on? They didn't know, you know, and um, I want to talk about it because I couldn't, you know, I didn't know how. Um, and skating was the only refuge for me. It was the only space in which I felt happy, you know? And the thing is, is that like, I, I'm, I'm grateful for it. You know, I'm great. I'm so grateful for it. I don't know what would have happened to me otherwise, but, um, but then, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, it's like kind of the story you kind of get these, you think about like, oh, but then that happened 20 years later. But that's, so skating was my refuge. Um, and for that reason too, I wasn't about like becoming a big skater because I just needed my, fr I needed friends, you know? And it's funny because I asked Nick Brendan one, at one point, so did you know that when I was in high school, all this was going on? And he said, no. He had no idea, you know, and there was a couple flare ups here and there, but yeah, nobody knew. So, yeah. Do, yeah. do you mind if I ask like, what, what was it that had happened that, that caused this situation? Well, um, so basically this is embarrassing, but I guess it's ancient history. So I got, I got to my new school and there was a girl who liked me and they were, they said like you know this girl likes you you should date her i'm like okay and i was a slow developer so i didn't really know what that meant you know and i would 
uh, I saw that her other guys, uh, her other friends would like hang on her backpack, you know, like, you know, cute stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm the boyfriend, maybe that's what I should do. So I try that, you know, like kind of a hug from behind, you could say. And then one day there was a, um, in, in a pep rally, someone comes out to me, they, they whisper, Brit's breaking up with you. I didn't mean to say their name, but they're breaking up with you. And I'm like, why? And he said, oh, you're moving too fast. And then I'm like, what do you mean? Like I'd never kissed her. I had never spent any time with her outside of school. And then I walk out of the, uh, uh, the pep rally and suddenly I'm surrounded by haters and they're chanting PP, PP, Shooter McGavin, this kind of shit. And then they were saying I was a pussy patter. I had my mustache accidentally not hugged her right. Didn't know. And then after that, it was a sexual shaming. And I, uh, by the end of eighth grade, I was at, I was still trying to fit in and find my people. But I was like, this is, I don't know what I was thinking, but I'm like, whatever, this sucks. So I went to yeah, the that eighth, sucks. I went to the eighth grade like end of the year party, and they put on a video, a home video, with two guys reenacting the thing that happened between me and the girl, and everyone bursts out laughing. And at that point, I remember thinking in my mind, the truth doesn't matter to these people. It doesn't matter. So I kind of, so I kind of shut down. Called my mom. I remember one of the guys who made the video came up to me. Hey man, it's so great. I thought you were gonna be all pissed when we made this, but you're so chill. The reality was, is I was completely shut down. And I called my mom. Come get me. You know, I got to get out of here. And then on my way, on my walk out, I remember there was a guy who started started talking shit, and he wanted to fight me. And I remember. I had, he had a broken collarbone at the time and he's still talking shit. Now, when I was, and I had a growth spurt late, like I was tiny, you know, like five feet tall, you know, I hadn't hit puberty. I was just little. And, but I still was like, I thought I can't fight you. Your, your shoulders hurt. <laughs> so I, I walked around him and after that, I was like, fuck these people forever, you know? And I had yeah. a couple people that I would joke around with in high school over the years, but I pretty much just threw class and waited to go skate, you know, mm. and that was it. Yeah. So, and then, so, yeah, you know, and then it, <laughs> yeah, but the bullying didn't stop and then it became racist <laughs> and I didn't even know until like maybe like five, eight years ago, looking back, oh, they're calling me names that are actually racist and i'm surrounded by all white people there is no nobody but a couple asians maybe uh and so yeah looking back on that i was like shit you know that sucks and but <laughs> i wouldn't have thrown myself that hard into skating if that wasn't happening and that's one thing i've been thinking about is that like a lot of people who go really far in anything they get to that world level Sometimes there's trauma, you know, that that makes you over focus, you know, 
So, yeah. No, that's that's true. That's a really good point. I think like a lot of people who are involved in and have gone pretty far in skating and other capacities, like tend to have like taken that pain and that energy and put it into one thing and used it as a refuge, like you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. Um, right. being able to put your focus into like one thing makes you yeah. like not have to like think about right. the other things. So skating yeah. could be like, or whatever kind of physical activity yeah. can be a good thing in that way. Um, yeah, but it's a band-aid, you know, and eventually you're going to spill out. And right. one, sure. one thing that I learned through, you know, a decade now of therapy, one of the first things that came up is that my only access that I understood to love and connection was becoming excellent at something. You're good at soccer, so you deserve love. You're good at skating, so mm. you deserve love. And for some, and that was the way I thought. And then, you know, it took me years to realize, and I'm still unlearning it, that that, that may be a type of love, but it's not lasting. It's not real. You know, it, it, it only just, it's like a drug. And to be honest, it's my favorite fucking drug, but it's not, mm -hmm. it's not the answer. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think I think I know what you mean. Like, um, like I think a lot of skaters who have gone far, who have experienced like breaks from skating or even injuries, like you know, if I could relate it on some very basic level, I'm sure it's like different. But um, I remember like when I got hit by the car and I was out of skating for like over a year. Just like the year before, I was like so busy and like you know you're interacting with a lot of your friends and things like that, and then after I was hurt, it was like quiet, dark, like it wasn't there because, and like you say, like you can, you feel like you're achieving that level of uh, skating kind of brings like you some value to yourself. And, yeah. um, and then, yeah, like, you know, it also could be like the crux of a lot of relationships in skating, but uh, I, I know what you mean. Like when it's doesn't necessarily mean that that's always there, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting it's, stuff. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. No, I know it is. I was just say it's a it's very relatable and I appreciate you coming like opening up about all this stuff too because I'm sure almost everybody can relate to this in one way or another. And when we're younger, yeah. when we start skating and like you're talking about like middle school and high school and stuff, like you don't recognize this stuff because we're not mature enough to realize how it's going to affect yeah. us in the long run. And now yeah. that a lot of us are older, we're in our 30s or some 40s, even mm -hmm. late 20s, it's like mature enough yeah. to realize that what what you, what happened as a child is affecting you now yeah. and what skating is to all of us which is yeah. hopefully something positive and at least yeah. if we're going to look at the positive it keeps our friendships together yeah. like long lasting yeah. friendships too than most other people we have friends for like decades compared to other yeah. people that we know who don't have skating so it's uh yeah. it's really good to have this stuff and it's really good to speak openly mm -hmm. about this stuff too because i think everyone can relate to that yeah i mean i've like it's I'm sure that you guys can, in your own, you know, close skate worlds, like, it's just been one after the another. When when skating isn't an option anymore for whatever reason, maybe you lose your passion, maybe you get hurt, maybe you realize that you have to develop a career. It's really hard for a lot of us, and it has been for me, to live without skating, you know? And a lot of people, you know, what what do you turn to to get that high you know and sometimes it's not it's not healthy stuff you know or like i know 
one of my fears is always that I'm going to end up like one of those dudes at the, you know, the stereotypical thing. I'm at the bar and I'm talking about the old days when I was playing football, that kind of shit, you know? Al Bundy. I don't want to be that, but I've been afraid that that's what could happen, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, mental illness and trauma and a lot and, and addiction, I mean, it seems to it seems to be something that's not that uncommon in our community, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just it's not true. as uncommon in general in life, but now that we're all yeah. surrounded by each other and have a community of some sort, we're seeing it more and more than if yeah. we yeah. didn't have any community and we just like, yeah. you know, whatever, went to work, came home to yeah. our families and that was it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, the, those kinds of issues come up a little later. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. There, yeah. there was yeah, I, a go ahead, Billy. No, go ahead. No, I was gonna say when you were talking about like your beginning in skating and everything, there was so many different parts of that <laughs> yeah. that uh, that stood out to me. And one thing yeah. was when you mentioned Chris Farmer, like you grew up skating with Chris, yeah. and everyone knows Chris is like one of the biggest best skaters who's ever done it. And his skating is similar to your skating, and I know it wasn't always like that. I'm not sure about your super early skating, but I know we had Chris on the show before, and he nice. cited that his skating changed because of Dustin Latimer. Like when mm-hmm. he started skating with Dustin, like the mind game days, his skating, like something yeah. changed in his brain, the way he thought about skating, approaching tricks, approaching any kind of obstacle, looking at everything differently. I'm like, yeah. your skating is so like, so unique and so different than everyone else's. Did you have influences like how Chris did that kind of changed your skating from like a park rack kind of style to, you know, doing <laughs> thinking yeah. way outside of the box way before most yeah. other people were doing it. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, so, for me, uh, I also love Dustin Latimer skating like everybody, you know. <laughs> but when I when I watched him skate, I knew that that was not achievable for me. I don't relate, you know. For me, it was John Julio, to from day one to now, and I think the reason why is because I wanted. To, I think part of it was because I wanted an Asian role model. I was drawn to that, but also like the way he moved, like the wall ride to top soul, the fish brains, like the, you know, soul to wall ride. Like I was like, I think that one day I can, I can move like that. So I took him, I took him as, as my guiding light, you know? Um, but you know, beyond that, uh, I mean, for influences, um, it would definitely be honors and Kai Carlson we as well. Um, those guys were those guys are brilliant. You know, I remember when I watched their Holden Village section, the one where they're in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw that, and I was deeply in that perspective at the time. Right, like I was like, they are doing the best stuff. I want to hang out. I'm. I was close with their family. I wanted. I kind of wanted to be adopted by them. They're amazing. <laughs> like amazing family. They're all brilliant so when they dropped that section and i watched it i thought this is the best thing that anyone's ever done on skates yeah i mean and so that was huge for me um i think the i mean the influences the other influences come later on down the road and that would be pat lennon and sean colin yeah yeah um but they were more like mentors you know yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
with Kai, I remember seeing Kai Carlson Wee's uh, that part in the woods and just being like, especially like being like uh, a kid from New York. I remember like yeah. seeing that and being like, wow, these guys like yeah. are out in the middle of the woods, like skating, making anything happen. And it was kind of like a lot of stuff back in the day was like, oh, the spot, the spot. And it's, it's still like that these days, but they just like kind of went and like made spots out of whatever was there and like were yeah. very like, I think they kind of took it further than anyone was kind of taking it or what was acceptable at that time in terms of like not even using their wheels, like running around, standing on yeah. stuff in the woods. So yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I can actually yeah. see that, like how that had an impact on your skating, like mm -hmm. from your non-traditional yeah. approach. Yeah. Mm. But, um, our, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our little crew, like we, we valued creativity and, and we valued like, you know, thinking, uh, thinking hard about, you know, trying to be innovative. And there's no doubt that the mind game movies were, were part of that huge movement, you know, and for me, but directly, I think it was just like, you know, those guys, uh, and me, you know, and I was following them for sure. You know, um, thing about Kai and Anders is they're not only creative. Those guys were true fishing rails, true soyaling rails. They were amazing. Right. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool to see like someone who has that like prowess in one area kind of take mm -hmm. the risk to go far out in like the, the areas where they were experimenting, and see yeah. some of it work. And it's just cool to have the courage to experiment in that way. Um, and yeah. what was like a culture that had like very distinct lines and boundaries of what was acceptable and what wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. but um, I I, I kind of wanted to touch, and you mentioned it yourself. I think it would be good to segue yeah. to talk about like the Pat Lennon, Sean Cullen influence. Yeah. And uh, years later, like being able to work uh, with Sean, like pretty closely on some projects and like be like really deeply involved in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Sean Cullen was known for like making like very not traditional videos. I, in my perspective, I think he has like one of the most artistic approaches to like skate videos, very yeah. off the beaten yeah. path. And yeah. um but I think uh, some eccentricity comes with his personality in that. And some people have like their own opinions and opinions range yeah. re regarding yeah. Sean Cullen. So uh, if you care to get into like that experience, what, what, what that was like meeting Sean and, and working with Sean, what that was like. Yeah. So um, I'd love to, but can I start with Pat? Cause that's where I absolutely go for it. Oh, okay. So yeah, this takes us to, uh, so just, just to keep the kind of, so after I graduated high school in 2002, I moved to San Diego. Um, and I moved there and I lived with the first year I lived with Matt Jorgensen and Kai Carlson Wee. And that was our, you know, you want, you know, the California dream, right? There was a bunch of Minnesota guys out there. The Brendans went to a couple others. And I, after after the first year and a half or two, everybody split, went back to the went back to Minnesota. It's just there. And uh, that was when I got into school and I wasn't a good student in high school. Like I told you, I was sleeping and just trying to not be there. But it turned out that I really liked the humanities and I really liked philosophy. So uh, I was drifting away from skating big time um, and going into like I need I want to learn, like, I want to learn, like, um, I think when I, when I got skating in high school, I told, I grew up Christian and I told myself, I'm going to put that on hold. 
I don't really care about that. But then by the time I was like, you know, 18, 19 in San Diego and kind of the homies had dipped and I was like, I, uh, I was drawn to, you know, learning and questioning. And my philosophy professor told me that uh, I should transfer to a big school. And I started to excel in school. And so I transferred to UC Berkeley, which is like a crazy thing because it's a really, really prestigious school. And luckily the community college transfer system in California is really great. It gives you a chance if you you fuck off like your entire high school, whatever. So I move up to go to UC Berkeley. I do two years and finish with a degree in philosophy. But like by my junior year and I'm still in school, I had a breakup, which really fucked me up. And I started skating again because I'm like, I need to sweat. I need to like get it out. And I met a couple people like Ricardo Moran, uh, my friend Dave, Jimmy. These were all, there was a Berkeley skate crew, which is pretty funny. John Lee, John Lee and Dave Tran are now doctors. <laughs> it's so sick. And we were a little crew of smart ass Berkeley kids who liked to skate. And so we would just go to the Berkeley skate park. And at that point, I'm not skating street. I'm not filming. <laughs> Not really. I think we might have made some fun edits and stuff, but like I was just doing it to feel good. And I also fell in love with bowl skating. So I was having a good time. Uh, and then one day uh, somebody comes in the skate park. He's got a skateboard, black hoodie. Comes up to me to introduce himself. I don't know who they are. I'm just ripping. It's my local, you know, and I realize it's like, it's like, hey, I'm my name is Pat Lennon. I'm like, what? Cool. <laughs> like, great to meet you, man. I'm a huge fan. Like, totally gushing, you know? And he said, hey, man, like, you're good at this. You know, you're good at skating. Why don't you come? Uh, this was kind of when Pat was still trying to make another vi video. Like, made, you know? And he was kind of drifting away from it. But he was still, he, he still had his toe in, at least. Maybe a foot in. But yeah. he... he me to he invited me to come i was living in berkeley and he invited me to come and uh, skate street in san francisco with him and we spent months doing that and we he would i would get on the bart and i would go to the 29th street house which i later moved in uh and um and we would go around and we didn't really connect as people I think he just thought he he just thought I was a nerd, and Sean thought I was a nerd, and you know, in that world, I kind of was. Yeah, uh, you know, what is this guy into? You know, <laughs> and so, but Pat, like, Pat uh, told me at one point, I'll never forget this. Like, he was telling me like some trick I should do, you know, and I was like, I can't do that, and he's like, Yeah, you can. He's like. You don't even know how good you are. You have no fucking idea. And I was like, coming out of college, studied a lot of great philosophers who were kind of telling me, find a passion, throw yourself into it, and become great. And so I had that idea in my head, which I didn't have as a kid, right? And I'm like, okay, what can I do? Maybe it's this. Maybe I need to see what I can. And I was curious, too. And I respected Pat. I'm like, this guy is the real deal. We know that, you know, to this day, whenever I show people skating sections, I have to show one of his. Yeah. And um, yeah, the four by four one. We know what we're talking about, right? Yeah. So, so like he, he took me under his wing, like 
mentored me and then we were filming for his video and uh I was having the time of my life, you know, because I didn't even think I was like at that point, you know how when you're like 24 and you think you're washed up and old, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I thought, you know, because and, and my body wasn't conditioned for it because I had been leaning over a desk studying, you know, but I started to wake up and then I meet Sean through Pat and they have their own stuff, you know, but Sean right. was like, oh, this guy's kind of good, huh? Why don't you come skate with me? So then I split yeah. time. I split time between filming with Sean and filming with Pat, and they weren't really like they weren't really tight then. Uh, <laughs> a lot of history. You probably know more about the Meadville, but basically uh, Sean um, did the same thing that Pat did. He uh, he believed in me, and he would just tell me what to do. You know, coach. Um, and they had different approaches, but all in all, and they were both crazy as hell. But, like, I'm drawn to people like that because we'll probably get to it. I am too, you know? And being neurodivergent is something that I didn't know. But when I look back on it, why wasn't I skating with the regular degulars? It's because it made sense. Some, there's some connection there, you know? And, and I don't have much of a relationship with either of them at this point but i'll always i'll always be grateful you know because if it wasn't for pat in particular it would have just been vg23 and done you know mm -hmm. so yeah and the thing about sean i'll say say what you might but and i bet you know this billy if you're willing to hold space for the guy magic will happen you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so it's like you are so annoyed. You are losing your mind because this guy, he's just, <laughs> all, he's pushing. He's, he's always on something and you're following him around. You're like, why am I even doing this? But then there's a moment, you know, there's like a golden hour mystical moment. I'm filming this guy try this trick that I think is pretty weak for like fucking two hours. And then he does it. And I'm like, wow, you know. So it was Definitely. hard to work. It was hard to work with Sean. It really was. And, you know, um, but I'm, but I'm glad that I did, you know, because you're right. He is a true artist. And so is Pat, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Definitely. That was a good That's description cool, of Sean Cullen. I just wanted to say that out there. That was like one of the best descriptions of Sean Cullen I ever heard from anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I have the way that I move in the world and I've just developed this over the years. It makes sense. And it works for me is I don't if you don't like the guy and he and you can tell me you could say anything pretty much. There's limits, but you could say, oh, he stole somebody's camera or he did this or he did that. But he never he never fucked me over, you know, for RIPSF. I put the money down to duplicate. He paid me back, you know. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, that's, that's just how I roll. I mean, I have a connection with them and, uh, I'm sorry that if you don't like him, that's okay. You know, yeah. we're not going to fight over it, but you know. Interesting. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, there's no shortage shortage of uh, stories when it comes to yeah. uh, Sean Collin and spending time with him. Yeah, yeah. 
and I wish I wish him well, you know, and I'd love to see him again. I would, but I'm not. I don't want to get stuck with him though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned you mentioned VG23, and you're part of like the elite who had a part in a video group video for anybody who's knows anything about skating back in history you know yeah. having a section and being featured in video groove was like that like you were like a god at that point and you had a section in vg23 like yeah. do you care to talk about that like how did that how did that happen how did yeah. did dave come yeah. to you like what did that feel like what did that do for your skating career like all of that no yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i don't know if people know this maybe maybe not but uh so when I so I told you I moved down to San Diego in 2002, living with Kai and Matt, and we had a company that we had started, and we were making clothes and hats and stuff. Originally, the name of the company I think Kai named it was Shadow, and then Shane Coburn contacted Kai and said, "Look, I got this a project that I I want to use this name." So Kai was like, "You know, okay." I'll call it something else. Um, and we called it Saban. And so that was our little company. And we were filming for the Saban team video, all stuff filmed in uh, San Diego. And I had filmed like, there was a lot of footage. I think I filmed like 15 minutes of footage, you know. There's a leftover section that someone was hitting me up about like VG23 leftovers from me. And I don't know where it is. But anyway, so I have, I'm sitting on all this footage, right? Kai, and Aunt, Kai, Kai, Nick, everybody dipped, like I told you. The video never came into fruition. But Zach Flugum, they, I, you know, I had the footage. I just gave it to Zach Flugum, and he was living in L.A. at the time. And the footage, when it came out, it was a little old, you know. Like, I think it was, like, over a year, you know, old. And I had, you know, back then, like, it wasn't a thing to post it online, you know. So it was just sitting. And uh, then Zach uh, made the section and sent it to Dave Payne and uh, he put it in. So there wasn't a single trick in that whole section that I knew was going to be in a VG. I had no idea, <laughs> you know. So I did slide in last minute. That was like the last VG, right? 23. Yeah. 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 You made the That's cut. That... <laughs> Just barely. You slid in there. <laughs> That's a crazy yeah. story. I, I don't know. I wonder if like other people who have had sections of video groove were similar to that. Like not specifically filming for a video groove, but had a ton of sick footage. It's kind of like Ben Schwab with um, yeah. his accidental machine section. I think he started filming originally and he just showed the footage to Shane. Shane was like, this is incredible. We have to put it in the video. Wow. And like, you know, you don't expect a film for such a prestigious video like that. And then next thing you know, you're yeah. you got a section of video groove. You got a section of mind game, like without even kind of knowing it. And, um, so like, so yeah. it, it came out, like you, you weren't specifically, you didn't film one trick for a video group, by the way, that was all leftovers. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. And, uh, yeah. did that do anything for like, I was, dude, if I was, if I knew I was filming for VG, I, I don't know. Like, I, I was going to say like, the box, like I, I might've been more nervous. Like, let me keep it tighter. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say like, what, knowing you were filming for a video group, would anything have been different? You think? Maybe, maybe. I think I, w I mean, first off, like, I don't think that would have ever happened. I don't think I was on the radar like that, you know? And it just, yeah. But if w that's a good question. I have I don't know. I don't know if it would have been different. 
maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm glad it went the way it did, kind of, because like if I had that in my head, maybe I would have broke myself off or something. I don't know. You know? <laughs> that was that was the motto back then. Just send it, like just get hyped and uh, fuck it and huck it, yeah. kind of things. Yeah, I mean, I was hucking it too in my own way, but yeah. Yeah, you were. Yeah. Did that? Yeah. Did that? Having a section in video group change anything for you afterwards? Like in any way yeah. were you skating no uh by the time vg23 came out i was already on that philosophy mission i was already uh more interested in table tennis than rollerblading <laughs> oh wow <laughs> it was cool nice. it was an honor you know mm-hmm. uh, i don't rem- i don't honestly i don't remember a lot how i felt about it i do remember recording you know how there's a there's a little audio at the beginning of there's an audio at the beginning of my bg23 section me talking yeah and i say something like um in order to understand one oh i said in order to understand all things understand one thing and uh for me this one thing has been skating and i've dedicated all my life to it you know something like that i remember recording that at the at Grossmont Community College, shout out Santee Crew, those guys, those guys accepted us. You know it was tight, but that's like over in their neck of the woods. You know, I I, I remember recording that audio message for Zach. Uh, you wanted me to say something for the beginning of the video. I remember that, uh, but it was an afterthought. It was you know, and like I said at that point, I didn't have dreams. I had no, I didn't. I didn't have dreams of becoming a professional rollerblader or even being sponsored, really. I mean, I want to, I, I would like to ask myself back then, but I don't think that that was on my agenda. And by the time VG23 came out, you know, like I said, I was kind of moving on. And, and it's not, and the, the skating in VG23 wasn't exactly fully accepted. So it's not like people were hitting me up like, yo, you want to, you want to ride for me? You want to go skate with me? So, People, you know, came out and then I, I lived, I went on with my life, you know, no, no one ever, no one ever reached out to me. I wish they would have, but no one ever <laughs> said, Hey, we like what you did in that. Uh, Cause everybody saw it. It's VG. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, it dropped, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. so. So I guess after UCB is when you kind of got that, that drive for the first time initially to kind of chase that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to see how good I could be uh, at it, you know, I wanted to see what Pat was talking about, you know, and I wanted to see, and I wanted to, I was at a point in my life where, I mean, I've been struggling with mental illness my whole life from since before I knew I had it. And I think that I was looking for an answer and I wanted to prove myself, you know, and, and that, and, and that's when I started really fucking pushing it and the thing is is that i've always been creative but i was fresh out of uc berkeley philosophy department so i was working with the some of the most brilliant minds in the world on philosophy so then my already creative mindset was charged by that you know so i went to work i i immediately knew Oh, I'm glad I'm bringing this up because I made notes to try to like keep it together. And I didn't think of this, but now I remember that I knew what at some point the vision was dim at first, what I, what kind of skater I could be, but it started getting clearer, you know? And by the time I was skating with like Sean and Pat for a bit, I kind of knew 
what I wanted to do. And I couldn't stop until I had done it. And I, I built it built up and I got to the point where in my mind, the, my work on the shock video, when I was making it, I'm like, this is my magnum opus. You know, this is my, this is it. This is my best I can do, you know? And so I was building up to that and I kind of had a growing idea of like, you know, what I wanted to do and I'm, and what I wanted to introduce and what mattered to me, you know, and it, it was exhilarating, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It yeah. It's so interesting hearing that story because as a, you know, someone who studied philosophy at UC Berkeley, then relating that to skating is like a unique take on it. And I, I want to point out something you just said right there. You're like, this is the mm-hmm. best of my skating right now. This is like my best. And I was thinking about this recently because we all filmed sections before in the past and we've yeah. all like, it comes together and you're like, this is like my best skating. Like, I'm so proud to show this to people, whatever, but is it yeah. really ever your best skating? Like we're always trying to get better. It's a, it's an art I form, right? That question. Yeah. It's like an art form, right? So like when you think about it, when you have a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a section, you're like, this is my best. Mm-hmm. Like, can you say that anymore? Yeah. Cause you don't really no. aspire for that to be your best. You still want to get better yeah. unless yeah, you yeah. plan on retiring yeah. tomorrow. But I doubt that's the case. Yeah. yeah. I'm 39 and I am not done. And exactly. here's the thing, like, I love that question because in my mind back then, I thought I have, this is my best work. But then, I mean, even, a, even, even as soon as after that, the shock video was done, I was still releasing more sections. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of agree with you. And I, and I'm critical of the idea of uh, a peak, you know? Like, where did you hit your peak? Where were you like, and you know, then you descend, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that the thing is, is that skating at the end of the day, what does it mean? You know, what does it mean to be uh, my best work? Well, during the shock video might be some of my gnarliest shit and my stuff before I, you know, left SF, maybe some of my gnarliest stuff, but where was my heart, you know? And so... I almost think now, like, what is your best skating? I think my best skating is ahead of me still because I think that I've never really skated uh, from a fully, uh, not fully, but a self-aware and place of love, you know? So maybe my best section comes out in my 40s and it's not the craziest, you know? But then I'll, then we'll talk it again. See, it's like I have to unlearn it. It's you know yeah it, so it's, it's a lot to think about because you got, me think, you got yeah, ex- me exactly it's a lot to think about because i thought about it before but i never like actually discussed it with anybody and it's interesting to have that discussion because it's yeah. like you might have had a section in the past that was like your gnarliest skating your yeah. craziest skating you went the biggest it doesn't necessarily mean it's the yeah. best there's a lot of refinements that need to be done which i know personally yes. yeah i don't personally with my skating yeah. i'm not mm-hmm. doing 540 tricks onto handrails yeah. anymore or jumping huge gaps yes, you are. but did a fake 540 top sole on a ledge rail in hawaii that, or something that was a but. that was a few years ago though <laughs> but like there's a lot of refinements that need to be done in between those spaces and that's exactly. like what i know i'm personally working on now i know a lot of other people yeah. are working on that too it's easier mm-hmm. on the body it's like kind yes. of taking something you know already and just making it that much better and i feel like that yeah. is my best skating yeah. right so yeah. the thing that comes up that i wanted to say is that um, when I watch my old sections now, 
I see that, you know, the concepts are good, but sometimes the execution is a little rough because I barely pulled that off, you know? Mm -hmm. the, the landing, you know, I threw my back down. I didn't really squat because I just barely did it, you know? And I, and during that era, especially the shock era, I was obsessed with throwing myself into black holes that I had no business being in because I thought no one's done it yet. I'm not even the best person to do it, but no one's noticed it, you know? So I found myself like trying to, trying to do wall rides down sets with spins that I hadn't seen people do, but I didn't really have much business doing that. It's not like I could even five the set very well, you know what I mean? And so it's going to come off a little rough. And so, yeah, I mean, I look back and I, I know damn well my head was all up my ass when I was putting that out. But I look at it now and I say, you know, that could use some refinement. And in in these days, to, uh, to further your point, one of the things, well, I just had a knee surgery, my third on my left knee. But right before that, I was starting to feel like I was skating in a way better than I ever have. And the reason why is because I was starting to like, my mechanics were improving. I was starting to understand like, this is a point I really want to make. So in my thirties, um, my skating was, uh, I had left SF and I was kind of like skating locally and filming. I was still filming uh, sections every couple of years when I get, basically when I get really depressed, I would think, okay, I want to die. But if I go out skating, someone's like, yeah, I want to film. I'll get, I'll get a little boost, you know? Um, and that's why I kept getting hurt because I didn't have a consistent skate practice um, and I wasn't physically training for it, you know? But then fast forward to, like I said, uh, last year, um, I fell back in love with skating fully and I finally committed to, if there's any way I would like to skate forever, you know? And, it, and I really committed and I fell in love and I start in, in any way. So I met a shaman who uh, watched my skating, right? And they said, you're skating in your 20-something-year-old body. You're not skating in your man body. And I was always kind of fighting, like, how can I lose the weight? How can I fight the dad bod, you know? <laughs> but then I started to realize, and then she, uh, they said, like, you know, they weren't sure how to tell me how to fix it, but it was, that was their vision that I was like working with the old body in my head, but I have a different body now. So then I did, I, I did one thing. Um, I, most of, in my 20s, stuff, I liked to skate with my very close together and my right foot in front of the left and kind of swerve, you know, and carve like that. And I was still trying to skate like that, right? But I'm not 165 pounds. Now I'm 180, 190, 200, you know, got a different body. So then I'm like, what if I spread my legs out? Instead of skating like like this, you know? Sorry, I can't see. I'm like bad at It's, it's reversed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So instead of going like this, I was like, spread them, you know? And then I started to take impact better. And then I started to realize that this is the way to skate with this body, you know? And so the way, the way that the shaman told me is that you used to skate in a cat body, but now you have a lion body 
you have to work with that and it was amazing because what happened is that so i skate with jeff howard all the time he's one of my best friends you know so imagine skating with jeff right the dude can skate a rail right and i just started like opening myself up to whatever today like i i, I started i started to think let go of the preconceptions of what you want to do when you go to the skate park. Just show up and be open and see what feels good. And I started to find out that like there was a whole hidden trick vocabulary that I hadn't developed. And it was amazing. Like I never, if you would have asked me up until last year, will you ever do a fast slide? Like if you look at my skating, I'm not a frame skater. I'm all sold. Will you ever be able to do that? I said, no. You know, I've been watching Farmer do it. I've been watching the Carlson Lee brothers do it. I'm watching people do it. But then I, then I learned it. It's backside fast light, which to me is a lot easier than front side. But I'll get front side. And I'm like, it's because I'm actually connecting with my body, you know, without a preconceived notion of what kind of skater I need to be, you know. And honestly, I'm more excited than ever to just learn new tricks, you know, to develop mm -hmm. these, these things. Now my life dream, one of them is to learn to torque. <laughs> Still not there. But you got Maybe fast slides up. instead of, but you not got, torques. Yeah, I can do a back <laughs> fast slide, but I can't torque for shit. What? That doesn't like, make any sense to me. <laughs> I don't know. You guys, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking, hopefully I'll figure it out. You know? <laughs> but it's just you know it's and what is good skating what is it you know and maybe it, it's all about values like maybe we sh maybe we're changing our values it's like you know the kind of skating that i was doing back then to prove myself sure it's good in some ways it's impressive but there was a time when i went home for christmas to visit my family and this is right around the time where i had my mental breakdown and I told my parents and family straight up that I'm ready to die for this full stop is that good skating it doesn't probably seem like not it. yeah yeah in, in what way you just think that's like an immature way to think about it you know I've been thinking about it and I think that like well, for one, the reason why I even thought I might die is because I was doing tricks that to show off that I had no business trying because I didn't build up carefully to them, you know? So, um, I don't know. I think we're all figuring it out. I think that, that the impulse to huck yourself is still there, you know? But, we, but I'm trying to to find a more sustainable practice, build up slowly and be more careful. And at the end of the day, like we all know that if we keep doing this, we're going to keep getting hurt. But, you know, maybe a good skating practice is what I want, like a martial art, like a, that's good, you know? So build our bodies, you know, to keep going. Um, what, what's the skating equivalent to that then? Besides the hucking yourself? Like a martial arts version of practice, like practicing skating more than yeah. sending it. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't have a background in martial arts. I know, I think Billy does. But like, I think it's just about uh, having 
not focusing so much on the trick or the section or the proving yourself, but thinking about it as uh, a part of your life that you train for and that every aspect of your life needs to be in, in tune with it. And, uh, and instead of if it's, it's, it's tricky because we do take risks, you know, there's always the chance that we could die full stop. But, you know, I think that there are, I'm trying to work out ways to increase the likelihood of, you know, me being able to uh, take a hike in my 50s and 60s, you know, mm-hmm. while we, while so, you know, admitting that, you know, these risks are still worth it to me. No, definitely. I think if uh, I think probably what if I could like, I think what what he means also Austin is like a martial arts just being like a, a discipline. You know what I mean? Anything yeah. that's a discipline, that's a practice that you can do yeah. on a regular basis, like acquire skills, a better understanding, and you know, like uh, yeah. you know that could be that could be rollerblading, surfing, yeah. could be, it could yeah. be table tennis. You know, you can yeah. be a black be- black belt in table tennis. But yeah, so like it's I think that that's yeah. the idea. Um Yeah. Yeah. I'm still figuring it out and if anybody has advice, I'm all ears, you know, cuz uh hope I'm not skating this year um because of my knee surgery, but you know, next year hopefully I'll start getting back into it and I know that there's, you know, I'm already training now like i know that i have to build my body up to be strong enough to keep going and be safe you know? yeah definitely a big part of it yeah 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 um so i'm gonna ask pr- probably to those to have a history of your skating probably one of the more obvious questions but it was something we discussed beforehand and kind of wanted to get into it but um on a lot of your previous sections uh, your name was Kevin Yi, and yeah. now you go under Kenji Yi. So, mm-hmm. uh, what caused that transition, and and what is that yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, I know it's confusing, <laughs> but so what happened is that um, yeah, my birth name is Kevin, uh, and um, so when uh. I was in my late twenties. Um, I had, uh, my first full blown manic episode. Uh, during that, uh, manic episode, I walked into a Japanese, uh, convenience store. And I've always felt like a longing, you know, to connect with my, uh, Chinese and Japanese heritage from my dad's side. And I was just crazy. And I went in there pretending to do martial arts, which I've literally been doing my whole life. I should just enroll into a class, you know? Uh, so I'm doing that, you know, like, um, and then the lady uh, in the store says like, you know, she's, I'm, I'm like, give me a Japanese name. And she said, I'm going to call you Kenji because you're funny and smart, I think. And I walked out of that uh, store, uh, went to the skate park, and I was Kenji now. Uh, 
But, uh, I mean, I don't know, like, to get into this whole story, you know, that that was how I got that name. Um, Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just curious. Um, Yeah. Yeah. How you... I have to shout out this one comment in the chat right now because this I'm dying from right here. Shawn Michaelson said Shane came to him and said he was starting a company named Kevin, so you had to change your name to Kenji. <laughs> shout out to Shawn Michaelson. That was just I was dying with that with the shadow reference from earlier. <laughs> that's, that's creative. <laughs> uh, but I yeah, thought that, I, mean, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, but like I I can talk about the bipolar. I want to. You know, that's partly why I'm here. Um, but basically, so what went down? Uh, there had been signs that there was something up with me for a while. Um, but it never, my mania never became full blown. Um, and during this time in SF, it was the moment where I was, you know, finishing up filming for the shadow video. And I had just like, um, what was that? I had just gone to the Blade Cup and done well. Um, I went and it was like, I went into the AM contest and then I made it to the finals of the AM contest and got second. And then I went into the pro comp and I don't know what I got, but I went a few rounds, maybe seventh or something. It was insane. Like I had never felt so accepted and appreciated by the rollerblading community in my life because like there was several moments where my jsf fam and my sf people were chanting my last name yee, yee, yee. and it was the most crazy thing ever and i was just like i was able to black it all out like i was just skating like how i would with my friends but on that stage so everything in my skating life and career seemed to be going great, but I was unraveling. And, um, you know, my dad came out to visit me in SF. I had just gotten a really good apartment, which is not easy. And I waited a year just to get the opportunity to ask, basically. So I had, things were doing okay. My dad comes out, thinks I'm okay. A week later, uh, I went full blown manic. And when I say that, I know that not everybody's like, you know, when I say bipolar, when I say mania, uh, what I mean is um, I was uh, exhibiting a lot of the symptoms that would be associated with bipolar, like risky behavior, um, super confidence um, to the point of like, literally thinking i think i'm a demigod you know and then kind of skipping work so the whole time i was in sf like pretty much other than a little stint at destructure i was working for um an engineering firm and i was doing data entry like an administrative position and i stuck with it because i knew that i needed to have a way to make money and have great insurance and my berkeley degree got me in the door I have no experience in engineering, but somehow that's just, that was just my fate. And it was, and it worked for a while for six years. Um, but eventually I got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. You know, like I hated it. Um, and 
he just hurt my soul a little bit every day to go sit in front of a computer and type, you know, it's not for me. It's not for everybody, you know? And so when I was getting manic, I remember I walked into work, right? With a tie tied around my neck tight, like not done right. Like, like it's going to choke me out. And I had a skateboard because I was so severely paranoid that I thought, I thought the cops were after me. And in my state of total delusion, I thought that if I had to hide and I, and if I get a skateboard and pretend to be a skateboarder, no one will know it's me. <laughs> like, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Cause you, you blade. Know? <laughs> the cops know that. <laughs> the cops know that. Yeah. 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 yeah they, they like, oh, it's not him. him. That's not him. He blades. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. And at that point, so I walk into work with the, with the skateboard and I'm holding the skateboard and I feel the weight. I feel the, the trucks. And at that point I was not a, I was a danger to myself and anyone around me. And I went in there to quit. Fuck this, you know, I'm done. And then my, uh, my boss, Didi, uh, took me, knew what was happening and took me into a conference room and said, what you have to do is this, like you have to not quit. You have to ask for medical leave because then when you need to go get help, the engineering firm will be forced to pay for it. And if it wasn't for her, then yeah, that would have been worse. So I do that. Um, and at that point, I'm just wandering around town like a crazy person. I would, um, so I didn't even need skates to skate at that point. I was, I would just run through the mission and like jump on wall ride every tree and just like sprint, you know, I was wild. And, um, like when I did have skates on, I was like, I think I can do anything, you know? And like, but it, I was just completely unraveling. There's like a interview or something with Brian Kranz where it's like a picture of me with my toenails painted and like a sword. I was fucking manic, you know? And I didn't know, but eventually it got so bad that my, uh, old friend Tia, um, I went to her house, you know, and she knew something was up. And I had changed my name on Facebook and, um, and she had already diagnosed me as bipolar. Like, you know, she's not a doctor, but she had told me a couple of years before that, that I think you need to think about this. Cause I was having like mini episodes, but then I would just get back to being normal. And so then she tells, she contacts my dad and, um, my dad came to SF and, uh, he just was like, you're coming with me. You know, you have to. And I listened. So I got on a plane and flew to Sarasota, Florida, where they had retired. Um, my friends took care of all my shit. They cleaned out my apartment and put stuff in storage. And I, when we land uh, the plane, um, my dad's like, well, let's go to the hospital and get, just get you checked out. You know, so I go to the hospital and I'm laying down on a bed and they're, you know, talking to me and I'm feeling super paranoid, you know, um, I get out of the bed and I try to escape. Right. And I'm like, this doesn't feel right, you know, and then there's these two big, big nurses 
who stopped me. And the next moment I woke up, I was in a cop car and then I'm dumped into a mental hospital. And I was stuck there for two or three weeks, which literally felt like that time for me is like, it is another life. Like, uh, but my parents would visit me every day and I was not all right. And when, so with bipolar, there's bipolar one and two. Uh, two is kind of like when you get hypomanic, that's like elevated energy. It's the same as mania, but it doesn't go that far. Like, it's like the difference between having a bigger ego and thinking you're a, a demigod, you know? Uh, so when I was full blown manic, I, uh, I'm, I'm there, I'm just doing art every day and I don't make any sense to my family. Like when I'm talking, like it, it's like, you know, when you talk to someone who's not there, like there, I was living in a different reality. And, um, so after a couple weeks or so I got out and went to go live with my family, my mom and dad. Um, <clears throat> and I had to see, uh, a therapist like twice a week or something because, and I was super medicated, obviously, you know, they put me on who knows how many drugs, right. To try to bring me down, bring me back to reality. And, it, and even then, I had to fight so hard to just become sane again. And uh, my dad, uh, without him, I don't know if I would have come back. But, um, but then, so I wanted to go back to SF still, right? Um, and I did, actually. It's a part of my story that I sort of blank out. But after I left, I went back for like, and I, I couldn't find a place to live. So I got, I moved into this, like, it, it was in North Oakland. And it was one of those like, big communal living spaces where like, it's kind of like, there's a bunch of weird acrobats and like artists and hippies and just weird yeah. life. Eccentric. Yeah. 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 And it was just the only thing I could find. And I got an apart, I got a room in a in a bigger apartment in a bigger building with a couple of roommates i didn't know because that's all i could find i went back to my job at the engineering firm because like i still had it on on hold you know but i had to go back because i was going to lose the job and you know my whole goal was to get back to sf you know and uh so i moved in this place and i like try to get it back together and i couldn't you know and after a month or whatever, uh, I I realized I I had to I went back to Florida, um, and I then for about a year I floated back and forth between Florida and Minnesota, living with my parents and trying to get it back together, you know. And uh, at that point, I had I felt like I had to leave, like. I felt like I had to leave the skating world, you know? Um, I was ashamed because this stuff's all hidden now. But at that time, like when I was in Florida and I just got out of the mental hospital, I made some videos with myself with face paint on and just being uh, manic, being kind of crazy. And uh, I was, and I thought that it was, you know, this is brilliant. You know, but um, by that point, you know, I was trying to get back into skating still. 
and I reached out to Shadow and asked them to send me some skates and it whatever happened I feel like Roller Warehouse might have hooked me up you know Bay Area love um but at that point uh Shadow was like you know go find a shop sponsor and I was like damn so everything I did you know it doesn't mean anything just and it wasn't really my fault you know crazy that's wild yeah and for years you know i would i would have like yeah i just felt you know hurt and two there if there's any defense to it I mean, I think when I was like full blown manic, I was like posting on Facebook, like, fuck Shadow, I'm going to Valo, follow Julio. Because mm-hmm. deep in my psyche, you know, growing up, him being my favorite skater of all time, I think I was like, fuck it. You know? Right. Unfortunately, I, Valo, Valo didn't work for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, anyways, like, I guess they could have said that, like, but to me, I just hope that in the future, if other like skaters, if this happens, just to just to hold space a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. That seems like a really tough journey to have to endure everything and yeah. like a lot of pre- pressure and stress. So, thank you yeah. for sharing that because um, I'm sure there are other people out there dealing with these kind of things and having these experiences, especially with bipolar and like everything else going on uh, in the, in the world. But you seem, you seem much better now. How did you go from being in this place of uh, such a manic state to kind of coming back down, like getting your feet back, yeah. uh, you know, everything together. It's been a long road and, it doesn't end. So, um, I guess I'll just say and tell you, like, well, you know, what happened next, you know. So, I eventually I decided to settle in Minnesota because I I had to be around family. My my sister lives here. Um, my older sister, and uh, my parents live here part time, and it was either Sarasota or Minneapolis, and even though like the weather seemed better down there, I made two friends, two new friends who weren't skaters, you know, just people. Uh, I had those two friends, Douglas and Annie, and I felt like that's all I had. So I stayed in Minneapolis, you know, I settled there. And uh, what happened is that I, um, I needed to find a career, you know, uh, I knew that I didn't want to be working in administrative data entry stuff. That was not it for me. So I was like, okay, I have no idea what to do. You know, like, um, you know, at that, at that point, my dreams that, you know, time of being a professional skater, of being put pro for shadow, clearly that was over, you know? So, and it was also kind of unrealistic. I'm I'm actually grateful that it didn't happen sometimes because then I think I would be maybe three years behind the progress that I am at now on building a life for myself, you know? Because we all know, like, Shadow died, you know? X-S-J-A-D-O died. 
you know, there was no future. Um, so, and they were never going to choose me. Um, and uh, that's a whole other story about why I think why and what happened. But who knows? It just wasn't going to happen. And we all know, like, Bill, you, you are, you know, boom. But still, you know, we all have to, we've been working. We have to build our own lives. So I didn't know what to do, you know, and I like couldn't get a job. Like I really couldn't. I was trying. At first, I'm like, I want to go into the arts or I want to go into writing. Uh, and, but I had no experience and didn't know anybody. So I had, I eventually was like, okay, I have to do a temp agency just to find work. Right. And I did some weird stuff. Like I worked at a, at a place that sold, uh, guns and rifles and ammunition. They didn't hire me. And, uh, so the temp you know, I worked at random stuff, but one temp job I had, I was doing drink services for a hotel out here and they, they asked me, you know, setting up conference rooms with croissants and coffee and shit like that. And then one day they like, we need a dishwasher, you know? And I was like, okay, whatever. So I did a shift on dish, uh, for the hotel and I felt like my see at that time i was living in like so after you have a manic episode most often and what happens to me for sure is the worst the the is if the, the level of shittiness that the you know if it, if you get if you go fully manic for me what happens after is i go into a state of like brain fog and complete despair you know and that's and that's kind of where i was at and i couldn't be present i couldn't you know my my mental faculties were not available to me you know so but when i was on the dish pit and i'm in the kitchen i'm like what's going on right i i know where the dishes go like i i something's working here you know and then i looked across the way and i saw someone flick some food in a saute pan and i thought it was beautiful you know like physically and uh so then i went home I, they couldn't hire me to cook because they'd have to buy me from the temp agency, right? And I did work as a cook a couple times, you know, high school, college. I never considered it a potential career ever, you know, never thought of it. I'm just, you know, I'm in college, I'm you know, flipping burgers or whatever I was doing. But then I'm like at this point where it's like, it doesn't matter, uh, I, I, I was kind of rock bottom. So it's like, it doesn't matter if I think that I want to be a cook or not. This is all I can do right now. So why not try? So then I asked my sister, like I told her, I'm like, hey, I, I think I want to be a cook. And she got me a job through a friend at her church, you know, to work in an American restaurant in the suburbs. And I started as a, uh, as a dishwasher. And when I started that job, that was right after my first visit reconstruction so i remember slipping around in the water worried the whole time i'll fucking break my knee again Shit. but soon enough and this whole process was honestly humbling you know uh from where i came into where i where i went you know um and i uh eventually he the the chef when he brought me on he's like you got to do your time on dish that's just the way it is then he brought me on the prep and then he brought me onto the line a little bit. So I'm actually cooking now, you know, and uh, it was working for me, 
you know, and then almost like, I think it maybe a year passed, like barely any time, a year and a half, maybe a year passed. And I, and I had jumped to working at the best, uh, fine dining restaurant in Minneapolis. It's called La Belle Vie no longer exists, but it was like, when that place closed, they're like, this is the last bastion of fine dining. But my first chef, Eli, there's another thing. Uh, so at that point I was so depressed. I'm like, I'm not Kenji. I went back to Kevin because I'm like, Kenji has confidence. Kenji, you know, blah, blah, blah. And if you're bipolar, you sort of, the tendency is to be like, when you get that depressed, it's like, Hey, I take a bump. You know what I mean? I'd, I'll be a little crazy if I can feel better, you know? So I, um, so I was going by Kevin and I started doing visual art because that's always been like a side thing for me, you know? And I was doing, and I thought, okay, I'll try to be a visual artist. And I started to have some shows and I called my art brand Kenji Art. Just take it from that, you know, but I was going by Kevin and I go into, uh, this is that first cooking job. Sorry, I'm backtracking. I go into that first cooking job, first day, right? And everyone's like, what's your name? Is it Kenji or is it Kevin? So I had told my chef that I was doing Kenji art, you know, and he put me on the schedule as Kenji instead of Kevin. So there was confusion because I was introducing myself as Kevin, but the schedule said Kenji. And I remember a moment where people were like, so what do you want me to call us to call you? And I just said, fuck it. Call me Kenji. You know, I like the name better, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and um, so that's how it stuck. And then now to go back, so within like a year or whatever, like the thing about it is that I've always been a very creative person. And although I didn't have a lot of experience cooking, it didn't even take a year for me to get specials on menus. And then suddenly I'm at the best French restaurant in town and I'm dreaming about cooking. And there's this like passion that's this growing, you know, for something new. Uh, and it didn't feel like as much as skating but it was something, you know? And I, at times it did though. I, I felt like I, you know, I started to dream of becoming a chef. And within a year and a half, I was, the, I found myself as like, this is like a year and a half, under two years, we'll say, I'm not good with time, but under two years of my actual cooking career started, I'm suddenly the head chef, like executive chef of a ramen restaurant. And I'm like, damn, this must be it for me, you know? But I also reflected at that point and I said to myself, you know, one of my regrets in skating is not fully mastering the fundamentals before I tried to be creative. So I said, okay, let's not make that mistake again. So I quit the head chef job because I couldn't handle, uh, I couldn't handle, uh, I didn't know how to teach people. I didn't know how to manage. I had no experience in, in that role. And, people didn't respect me and it was a struggle. So I quit and said, I'm going to go work for a restaurant as a line cook and work my way up the stations and try to get a, you know, a solid foundation. Um, and then I did that for years. Um, and I've been living in, and at, eventually like pretty soon after I settled in Minnesota, I left my parents' house and moved to Loring park, which is like, the reason why I moved there is because, uh, so 
Lauren Park's always been a special place for me to skate. Um, I felt at home there, you know, even though I was from the burbs, I spent a lot of time in the city and that was my favorite place, you know, uh, now I actually live above it. <laughs> so I look down, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I filmed a whole section called Greenway, uh, last year, a little section of me skating in my literal backyard and it's so sick of stuff. It's so fun <laughs> to skate. Uh, and it's still there. And so anyways, but I, I moved to Loring Park and that's where I've been for the last, you know, nine years. And I, through restaurant, the restaurant industry, I met people, I started going out. I, you know, I, I made a lot of friends and, you know, I started partying and kind of become a cool guy, you know, and, you know, dating and just, you know, living and it was fun. And this whole time I'm, I'm still, you know, developing as a chef and, you know, moving to different restaurants and learning and, and basically, uh, you know, and I was still skating and I, and, you know, sometimes I get a little defensive if somebody like slides in and says like, I'm glad you're skating again. And I'm, I'm kind of like, well, thank you. But, you know, I never stopped, you know, I go in and out. But there's several sections that I filmed in Minnesota. You know, I was just doing it locally when I felt like it. And, you know, and I was okay with that. You know, I was really okay with just hiding. I didn't want to be in that spotlight, you know, because I resented the skate industry, you know, and I thought that everybody didn't care about me. And then fast forward to last year's blade cup i went out there with the intention of opening my heart to love if it's there you know and i thought i'd like burn bridges and shit, but it turns out that like it's not even foggy on the bridge it's open arms and i i competed and that morning went to the to the to the setup you know and i was skating and i and i was like uh feeling it and not missing tricks not too much you know i remember oki he we're kind of old friends uh from the shock days i met him in las vegas and he looks at me he's like ah kevin yee's out here and i just was like yeah i can still do this you know uh and then when the comp started right um so nervous and the first run i i missed everything the second run uh i landed like a couple tricks it, but to me, there was a moment there in the second run where I smiled. And that was my victory. You know? So, yeah. It's all for how that's a perfect example of how skating makes you feel. I, I appreciate, like Billy said, opening up to yeah. everything that you just did, the whole path of yeah. where you were, how you are now. Um, I know people in the chat right now are saying nothing but things and support about this. Uh, a lot of people seem to be going through similar things as well. So your story yeah. is helping everybody out yeah. here. And to hear how you're at, how you came out of it now, you found a career out of it and yeah. a newfound love yeah. for skating out of it. It seems like you're in a really good place now. Yeah. So it's awesome to hear that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been hard. Uh, but, um, I've had like, I've had community friends, family, uh, out here that, uh, therapists who have 
you know, held me down. And I, you know, and I'm like, I think I'm doing better now. Um, and, uh, but it's still, you know, if you're, so when I first like came to Loring Park and I'm cooking and shit and I'm just like out drinking all the time and I used to, I, there was a while where there were, I got, I was drinking like four or five like Jameson's on the rocks a night and I'm not like a heavy drink, like I can't take it. Like, you know, I can't keep up, like that's too much for me. I would just take it to the limit to right before I puke, you know, and I knew that. And I never had manic episodes for a few years. And I thought it was over. I thought, okay, maybe it was just a crazy moment in my life. And I don't know, you know, I'm depressed, but I'm managing and I'm kind of okay. But then when I started to get uh, more sober and like at different periods and start to thrive and work out again and get like back in shape. And then suddenly I was starting to get manic again and it's happened again and again and again. And, uh, you know, I, I see a therapist. I was, I had a therapy session immediately before this, which was good because, you know, this is hard for me to be here, but, uh, I want to be here, uh, and talk, tell my story. And, um, you know, uh, I, I do think I'm doing better and, I and, uh, but you know, every day is, every day is a struggle, you know? Um, yeah. So, it's all well, it's all love and support over here on this side of things. Definitely, cool. definitely, man. And uh, again, like, thank you for opening up to this level. You know, it's I, I know it's not like easy to expose like uh, such a vulnerable side of yourself to everyone, yeah. but very much yeah. appreciate it. And I'm sure there yeah. are people out there. Mm -hmm. I know for sure there are people out there who will hear this and be able to relate. And um, I think that's really important. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, and my one of my closest friends out here, Jeff Howard, came on your podcast and talked about it too. You know, okay. it's like I think that the being honest is important. You know, so that other people can not feel so alone. You know, uh, and yeah, I mean, if anyone is like in my community, like if anyone comes to me and is having a manic episode. You know, I have a lot of bi bipolar, some bipolar friends, and we, including Jeff, and you know, we support each other. You know, so definitely, yeah, it's a it's a gift and a curse. I don't know what to say about it. You know, I can't separate it from who I am, and I don't think I would. You know, uh, I don't think I'd be the person that I am if I didn't have this. And it, it's just so weird, though. Sometimes it makes me think like this isn't even real. Like, how can it, but then it's like another, then I start to feel the hypomania ramping up and I'm like, you know, eventually I just had to own it, you know, it's something I have to deal with forever. But, um, but I also, you know, it's like I said, like a lot of psychiatrists and therapist perspective and older bipolar folks will, some of them will say like, you know, this is a problem you can solve, get over it, take the right drugs and it's over. But I resist that because I, I believe that, that this, uh, this capacity to move into like a space that of thinking and imagining and spiritual dimension, uh, 
it's not just sickness, you know, it's not just bad. Like it, it helps me and it's helped me my whole life. But if it's not managed properly, then I lose everything. And the shitty thing is, is that every time that things start to go well for me and I start to feel happy, that's when nowadays when that happens, my spider sense is on and I know that there's a chance that it's all going to fall apart. You know what I mean? So it's, it's weird. It's weird as hell. Like, I mean, when I look back into my, when I was a kid, I was just kind of like a, you know, like playing soccer, hanging out. I didn't see this coming, but you know, is it from my brain or from like, you know, you know, repressing the trauma from when I was a kid, you know, I don't know, but it's real. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, again, man, I just got to say thank you for, for making yourself vulnerable and sharing it. And uh, like I know a lot of people are dealing with these kind of things and all different kinds of things, yeah. um, struggles, yeah. and especially in this the current world we're living in, a lot of stress, a lot of access, internet, all these new things that can really test the yeah. your mental yeah. health. So yeah. Um, yeah. Defi- yeah. definitely good yeah. to... To yeah. come out here and, and share like a lot of this stuff, and again, I got to say thank you because Definitely. it's 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 deep stuff, and I know it's not easy. Yeah, well, that's why it took me ten years to come on here. I mean, I don't know if I mentioned <laughs> it on on live, but for the last for all of I'm 39 now. For the last at least nine or ten years, ever since I dipped and you know kind of like hid from the skating world, like I kept a toe in, but that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've never stopped watching skating. I'm a complete skate nerd. Like, I love it. I've never, never, never stopped watching what everyone's doing and appreciating it, you know? But, uh, yeah, I have lost my train of thought, Bill. I don't know where I was going. But what'd you say before that? I was going to say something. But No, uh, about, about, about just like, um, thanks for making yourself vulnerable. And you were just saying uh, about the skating. Oh, right, right, right. Thing. No, I used to I used to walk around and in my head like not really trying to. It would be like you guys on a podcast with me, and I would imagine what I would say because I think part of me knew eventually I had to I, I had to tell my story, but I was never ready. Like I just couldn't do it. And then when I was at the Blade Cup with after party, into the after party, it's like raining, right? And you were there, Bill. And you said, hey, why don't you come on the podcast sometime or something like, yeah, you should come on, you know, just casually. And I was like, I didn't know what to say, you know, kind of like, Ugh. and then, you know, yesterday I, um, it, I felt, I felt a shift. I've been feeling a shift in me in the last, uh, 10 days. <laughs> and I reached out to Bill and was like, Hey man, like I, if you ask me, I want you to know the answer is yes. Uh, I think I have something to say, but you know, no weird feelings, you know, if it's not. And then literally uh, an hour later yesterday, you were like, can you go on tomorrow? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, glad you came on though. It, it, this is awesome yeah. having you on. And I think this yeah, thank- should live, live up to your expectations. This is a really good Really good talk, really good discussion, and, and people in the chat are loving this right now. So yeah. there's a lot of support on both yeah, sides. But if we have more time, let's talk about skating. <laughs> well, we yeah, got... 
I think we got a. Uh, we're, we're we're almost two hours in, which is, oh which my is pretty, God. No, pre, 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 pretty pretty normal for us. Okay. But um, I I think we're gonna take some questions from our live audience if that's okay. And if you don't mind, okay. maybe if you yeah. have like ten to fifteen minutes afterwards, we can watch some of your sections that you have on the internet and uh, watch that for our Patreon subscribers. Okay, I'm happy to do it. I'm excited. Cool. Uh, hi. Let's okay. do this. Let's do this. Then. So if you're watching us live right now, drop us uh, a question. If you have any questions for Kenji, um, we're going to go through the Patreon questions first. We have three here from Patreon. Uh, the first one is from Matt. Matt Ben Benerick. He says, hey, Kenji, I remember you talking on the how to be unpopular cast with Joey and Todd around the time of the shock video, which oh. was a great section, by the way. Just curious how your approach or views on skating might have changed since then. Hope all is well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for the record, all, all, all my old interviews, for the most part, and the, the podcast that I did with the Mushroom Blading guys, I don't. I find it to be cringe for me, um, because I think my my uh, at that time, I was. I had a chip on my shoulder and I thought that I deserved more than what I was getting. And I was, my ego was too much, man, you know? So I don't, I don't look back on those things. I don't like it. Um, but, uh, in terms of my like relationship with skating, like method, I'd love to talk about method. Cause I was thinking about that. Like, so now this is advice like that I kind of taught myself, you know? Um, so I look, I look at, um, what's, what's kind of easy for me as a skater, what comes real natural, you know, not that I'm necessarily insanely good at it, but what were the things I asked myself that, that I'm a little above average and like mafios, wall rides, you know, John Julio shit. So I took those things and I said, how good can I get out of get at a macchio? Like how fucked of a macchio can I do? What can I? How can I leap from macchio to macchio? You know, um, and so I super focused on my strengths, and that kind of developed like the picture of skating that you've seen. Um, and reflecting on that now, um, well, one thing I realized is that doing that method. If you get so fucking good at a macchio, sorry, there's my ego. I don't mean it, but honestly, I got that trick. And I shout out to macchio in Japan. For, couldn't have done it without you. But, <laughs> but, but like, I realized that I realized that. Wait, right now I can't do a true fish brain, you know. But if I get so good at macchio, maybe I can understand it. And so kind of doors can open by super focusing on your strengths. And I think that's one of my methods that I, that I've tried. Um, and I think it, it's worked okay for me. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, I think that now my method is more of a zooming in and zooming out. So moving forward, I think that like what a method is to like, okay, I'm really feeling natural and good at this. So like zoom in, see how far you can take like the cross leg roll. I'm loving everything everyone's doing in skating right now. Skating culture to me right now, rollerblading is better than it's ever been. It's healthier, it's safer, 
there's more love, there's more acceptance. And that's partly why I, I don't want to be done because I feel like I should have been in this era, you know? Uh, but, but beyond that, like, uh, now I'm thinking zoom in on one thing, zoom out and then zoom in and then zoom out as a practice to kind of flow through progression. Now, this advice does not apply to goats, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you can fucking do whatever you want to do, then do it. You know, they don't, I'm talking about like your, you know what I mean? So that's a method, you know? That's what I'm thinking about right now, and I'm, you know, changes, but yeah. That's awesome. I don't know. That's a good one. Yeah, thanks for sharing your insight on that. Um, second question yeah. from Patreon from Michael Garlinghouse, who, <laughs> a, who asks, What lessons and practices have you taken from skating and applied it to your life as a chef? Also, share with the listeners what the sushi project is. <laughs> okay, well, you kind of so, spoke about your relationship with skating and, and your career now with like, learning the fundamentals yeah. before yeah. Yeah. like yeah. mastering everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, how does, you know, I think that like that thing I said back in VG 23, that if you know one thing, then you know all things through that one. I don't agree with it fully anymore, you know, but I do. I said, I use getting metaphor for life, you know? And I think that when I'm, when I need to think about something like with cooking, like directions to go, like you said, if I put it in skating language, then I have, you know, I don't know how long I've been skating, man. Like since 97, I don't really do numbers, but like, that's a lot of experience, you know? And so if I, tra if I can translate, it doesn't always work, but if I can translate something into skating language and I think that I can understand it a little better, and uh, in terms of, so sushi project, so it's not, uh, it's called the Shui project, which is kind of like an American way of saying water uh, in Chinese, Shui, like Feng Shui. So anyways, uh, about four or five years ago, I was feeling like the restaurant industry sucks, <laughs> you know? What's my future here, you know? I didn't feel like I wanted to run a restaurant or open one because... <laughs> What, who am I to think it's not just going to close in a few years like all of them do? It's really hard. And uh, so I thought I want to do something outside the box, you know, and be a chef outside the box. And so I started the Shui Project four or five years ago, and it's grown into something beautiful. Um, so what I did is uh, I did a couple... Uh, I had a couple of friends who were farmers and they wanted look like, like urban farmers. And I had just started the Shui project and I thought it was going to be kind of like catering and private dinners. And then I, but I did these little pop-ups and then I, uh, you know, I, uh, I was driving home from one, you know, and I had like all this extra food, you know? And I was like, okay. Um, you know, it was always been on Instagram and I posted on my story, like, uh, I had an idea. I was like, what if I, what if I invite people over for a donation based meal in my apartment and I turn my apartment into like a cafe and, uh, I posted it and people came and then I did another and another and another. And so I started blowing up and before I knew it, it was wall to wall in my apartment, 
and damn he and i was planning these events like uh so i would make a menu and i would sometimes have a theme like love or humor and if i had like comedy I, I made like a menu on bad chef jokes, like don't do that. That's a fusion that you probably shouldn't touch, <laughs> shit like that. Or like this is then I made a menu based on love and like you know, the person I was dating at the time liked this dish, so I explored it, you know. And then I made things that like my mom and dad would love, and then I had like a local like love therapist come and speak, and I had comedians and DJs, and it was like awesome, you know. That sounds and awesome. Then, yeah, and then. Um, what happened is uh, the pandemic started, and um, so I couldn't I couldn't like have people in my apartment anymore. So I I was stuck. I'm like, what the fuck to do? And I was making enough money doing this, like just barely, but making enough to like not work anything else. So I'm kind of uh, so then. When pandemic started, I uh, I know it's getting long, so I'll try to cut it. But um, so when pandemic started, I was like, there's these essential workers, you know, they're out there. I don't have to be out there and they're at risk, right? We all, none of us knew, like, what if you touch a box? Like, do you get it off contact? Like, it's risky, right? So how do I do service? How do I continue to support my community that I've created and keep my job? Keep going. So I said, okay, what I'm going to do. I, and I only figure out all this stuff because I have a whole team of people that help me. So um, what we came up with is that I'll do uh, custom food for essential workers. And so the essential workers will hit me up and I say, what are your uh, dietary restrictions, you know? And then we pick a time and I cook it in my apartment and I hand it to them, you know? And that went for a while and I'd write like sweet things on the bags and try to you know, do what I can. And then George Floyd was murdered. And like, I'm in Minneapolis. Suddenly Minneapolis is like the center of the world, right? Like I was there, you know, we saw everything burning, you know? And so then I said, okay, I need to shift. Like, how can I help? You know, uh, so I started a project called Konbini. All this is under the Shui project. And Konbini is like my like the thing that I did the moment where no, we're not doing peaks, not in cooking and not in skating. Right. But that was a good moment for me um, because I was able to make. So what I did is I opened up my window. There was a there was a little grass between my and I was garden level at that time. So I opened up my window, put a sandwich board outside and said, come and get food. If you're a person of color or if you um are, are fighting out there and protesting. And, you know, there's a lot of places to be inside, you know, a revolution. And I felt like the place that I should be was uh, in the kitchen, you know, feeding. So people would come and sit out the window and I'd have a new menu every day and I would give it on a donation basis. And, and you know, I had five mini fridges in my apartment just to make it work, you know? And at that point I was struggling with my knee. I was just like dragging my leg around cause I was working too much. And I, you know, we haven't gotten in all the surgeries, but you know, at that point I needed another one. I didn't really, you know, know it, I knew it, but anyway, so then my apart, my apartment catches wind and the city of Minneapolis just catches wind and they shut me down completely. 
you know, because it's it's illegal to do what I'm doing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm a, to go back to like how you learn from a skater, fuck it, you know, mm-hmm. I'll do it anyway. So then after that, I started to do pop ups out of restaurants still during COVID. So it was actually the health code, you know, was okay. And then I keep going and, you know, it's still evolving. And I'm, you know, I'm still, uh, I'm excited to keep, you know, Shui Project going. Yeah. So that's, yeah, if you're in, I still do pop-ups and I did a couple recently and, you know, yeah. That's Very awesome. cool. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. It's, that's awesome. Like a Kenji giving back to the community. Cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I mean, it's the community that, that brought me in and loved me uh they they taught me you know i just did i try to do good but they you know it's if you understood it you would know you know it's a it's just been a blessing mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah no, that's awesome i'm sure they're all appreciative of you as well for that yeah um yeah. We have one more question from Patreon before we get into our live chat. We'll take a couple of the live chat as well. But last one from Patreon from Tree Rudolph who said, who asked, can, can you recall what led to the doing the rocket sidewalk thingy down the rail in VG23? Rocket sidewalk? You did like on your shins? Or like oh, one yeah. of your shins? I think that was VG23. Yeah, I guess so. it was like one shin and like the other foot was like hanging over. Was it when I jumped on the bench, like kind of three six, like a two seventy back backslide? I think it leg? was a down rail. No, wasn't it a down rail? If oh, I remember, like shot from rail. the shot from the front, and you do like yeah, yeah. shin and oh, have yeah, the other yeah. one. I think that's what he's yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. What was the question about? Uh, what led to that, or the concept oh. for that, or anything? Yeah. Um, okay, so that's easy. Um, I was a really passionate soccer player, and I was a defender, and slide tackle was my specialty, right? So when I started like getting into skating, I have always to this day and I struggle and I will get it someday like the torque. But I, I'm not good at cess slides like Royale cess slide, but it, but I realized that if I dropped my leg and I think it was just, we were all playing with it. Honestly, it might've been Matt Jorgensen who I saw do it first. We're just fucking around. But I was like, that feels good. So I started doing the body slide with like kind of my body down, like like a slip out Royale, but my hands are up, you know, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, playing with that. And then I think just it was just natural to think, like, can I do it on a rail? And that's what happened. And it's and I'm and I'm I will say this it's pretty cool that uh, Eugen Ennen, I hope I'm mm-hmm. saying his name. Yeah, Eugen Ennen. Yeah. Okay. And he reached out to me when he dropped like a recent shadow edit and said yo you know thanks man Um, and he did a bunch of them (laughs) i was gonna make that correlation too i didn't know if it was the exact same maneuver that you did but i remember him doing something very similar to that as well yeah yeah it was i mean he he oigened it so he made it more tech but he was doing different ones you know and i've seen some people do them and to be honest i thought that i had made a mistake doing that i thought that it was like I'm not going to do those anymore because that's not cool. You know, or I want to be like, I, when I was like shadow days, I wanted to show that I could like skate for real, like traditional, like, like that was too far. You know, yeah. I agree everyone. Sorry. Didn't mean to, <laughs> but yeah. then what's funny that like right before the knee surgery last year, I started doing them again 
And shit. It feels so good for me. <laughs> do you wear shin guards <laughs> yeah. when you do that? No. No? No, I kind of put just it down. All on like the buckle cuff area? You know, Robbie Pitts does a variation of it a little bit. That's true. Like, I yeah. See, I see it popping up here and there, you know. I Oh, and then when the 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 trick that you showed uh rob the mm -hmm. uh it's like kind of a variation of that too like kind of spinning on his button like yeah yeah, yeah. so i i'm i mean i had to have other it's sad like you know if you are out there and your body feels good doing something go with it you know and luckily we're in a place in skating where that's okay you know mm -hmm. so i will be continuing to do body slides <laughs> i got ideas yes let's see more of them definitely yeah all right let's take a couple more of these questions from the live chat um before we get into the the questions sean michelson left a super chat he said one thanks for telling your story brother and two this is dumb but i went up to your apparent doppelganger at bitter <laughs> cold showdown because i wanted to apologize for not giving you photo credit on my GeoCities website back in the day <laughs> i was 16 and dumb so, well, I, I I don't even know what he's talking about, but I hope that I wasn't mean about that. It's okay. <laughs> and yeah, I, my doppelganger. Interesting. Does my doppelganger skate too? I don't know. He was there. <laughs> he must. Like, if he was at Bitter Cold, he must. Yeah. Was his name Kevin? You. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's take a couple of these questions. Um, Sean Michelson again says, how often does Kenji skate? And is there anything on the horizon we can look forward to? Well, um, so like I've been telling y'all, I just had a third left knee surgery about four months ago. And, um, you know, it's, I am in PT recovery mode, probably until like, until I'm good. You know, my doctors think maybe I put skates on at the end of this year, maybe next year. Um, and like, you know, and I'm working hard to get back. Um, but so right now I don't skate, you know, I can't. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd like, how much do I want to skate when I recover? You know, I, I like Ben Magaziner and skateability. And he said something about how we might be skating too much. Like we might need to do more training, you know, uh, Interesting. than just trying to skate every day at the same time. Like I'm like everybody else in the world right now watching Sean and Colin Kelso annihilate shit. And I'm so fucking stoked <laughs> every time, every time they comment and you don't, the last one that dropped with the pink skate. Oh, I know it's coming. It's going to be all the wheel slides on the ground and shit. No didn't see a lot of that that was an interesting take on creative street skating you know mm. so basically those guys i hear they skate every day i don't know if that works for me or not but i want to skate the right amount for me you know uh and is there anything coming <laughs> if i have any say in it you know you'll see sections in my 40s i'd like to keep it going for 10 more years hell yeah that's my but one day at a time right sick yeah. definitely i want to come Hey, I want to come skate with you, Austin, because the shit you've been doing lately, I'm fucking psyched on. It's Dude, cool, I'm, man. I'm going to skate it's with, uh, thank you, I appreciate that. I'm going to skate with Michael Torres later tonight, I believe, too, and get some more inspiration from yeah. him, because he, he inspires yeah. me, too, and helps me out with all I, that stuff as well. I connected with 
Taurus. Didn't I don't think I met him, but when I was at Blake Cup, I had to go up to him and say, "Hey, you know, <laughs> like." Mm-hmm. And it was really cool. And after that Blade Cup, like I was like, I'm going to New York. I want to skate with you. I'm going to SF. I want to skate with you, Danny and Vasugi. I'm going like fuck. I want to go to Barcelona. I never got to, you mm-hmm. know. And 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 I wanted this year to be 100% about me skating and traveling and reconnecting with people. But the surgery, you know, I didn't even fall straight up. I was at the skate park with Jeff, and I was skating good, and I kept going. I turned around on a bank ramp and I felt something go wrong. And then it ended up, they ended up giving me an MRI and they're like, yeah, we think you need, you have a torn meniscus and your ACL is loose. And then when the, and then they said, do you want to do the full surgery for both of them or just want us to touch up the meniscus? I said, just do it all because the last knee surgery, I said, just do the meniscus. I don't want the full ACL. So they opened me up. And the craziest thing is, is this like, the MRI showed that I still had kind of an ACL, but this whole time, like when I started skating last year and falling in love with it, I didn't have an ACL. It was just shredded, you know, and my meniscus was torn. So I like was trying to skate with no fucking knee and, you know, like Ben and Magaziner was like, you know, some athletes can build their quad strength up to not need that kind of surgery and keep going, but not everybody can. It's hard to tell who can and who can't. And like, so now I got a brand new, I'm on my third or fourth left knee. Jeez. Um, I have early arthritis in my meniscus. Uh, my doctor said that I still do have the cushion. I'm not bone on bone. And I said, dude, like, if I quit skating now, is it a better chance of me not needing a knee replacement soon? Because that's what happens down the road. And Or if I skate with less impact or if I blah, 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 what are all the options? He said, the only thing that I know based on research that I can tell you definitively is that it's based on your genetics. So when I heard that, I said, okay, I'm going to keep going. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. Uh, So I'm hoping I got, I hope, I hope that, you know, I wanted to come out with a section and I was cute. Like I'm 40, you know? And, uh, and I don't know if I'm going to get it like right at 40. Cause like we're saying Austin, we don't want to like, we want to practice. Yeah, I don't want to be like, oh, I can skate again. If I, if if you, if that happens, you know, if I you're talking to you, Bill, you, you know, you're gonna remind me, hey, you know, you said you would be careful, and I want to be careful. But yeah, 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 I do feel like my mind's still on fire for skating. It never really stopped. Just like Nick Regal was saying, you never, you never stop thinking about a trick when you see a spot. And, yeah. And I, and I'm obsessed. Like I'm a fucking nerd in there in my brain. It's like. It's it, I have a highly developed skating imagination. You know, I used to call it like uh, mind skating. I just lay, I just like close my eyes, put my head on my table in high school, and and, and ignore the teachers, and and skate in my mind. You know, and and if if I can't, yeah, I want it all. I want I want to the reason. I think the reason why again I I want to I want to keep skating. One thing. Let me just say one thing. Like so, I met Nay and Michael Kraft in at the blade cup i love their skating and i kind of see when i look at them i kind of think they're kind of like how i was right they're like the outside the box now and i could sense like maybe that i influenced them somewhat but what's cool is that if i keep skating then they can then i can take influence from them and then it this this circle like 
I need, I want, I do want that, but I'll never leave skating. I'm not going away. If I can't, if I can't do it on like a high level, then I'll find other ways to contribute, you know? Totally. So, yeah. Cool. But I'm still hungry. <laughs> Gotta be. Yeah. All right, we'll take one or two more of these questions before we get into our Patreon, going through the old sections. Yeah. But um, this one's a very straightforward one. Um, let's see. It's uh, from Judas Link. Who's your current favorite skater? Danny Mall. Six. Straight, straight to the point. <laughs> Number one, I stand behind Danny. That last section you put out was so good. Yeah. Like a few months ago, I whatever. Wa- I was watching it in my in my uh, apartment alone, screaming. <laughs> and, and, and you know, Danny's Danny's it for me because like I love Danny and like we've been through a lot together. We were the ones skating with Sean, <laughs> you know. Mm. And and I see what Danny's been through, and I see how hard the struggle has been to get to where he's at. And I actually think that he deserves whatever skating can give him the most please someone put him on pro give him that you know if it's possible honestly like if somebody came to me and said hey i want to put you on pro i want you to be on a boot company and i know it's crazy and i don't know how i feel about like the youth and their opportunities but i still want it but if they said it's you or danny i'd say go with danny yeah. Makes sense. All right. Shout out to any mom. Um, this is, I guess we'll take this one as the last one. This is kind of a question. I'm not sure how to answer, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, and he does a bonus part of the question, but we can ignore that. Oh, a bonus. <laughs> so t- t- Tony Rivertuzzo says, I'd like <laughs> to know what elemental bender Kenji would classify his skating as now and why. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know, we know. So... Okay, I think that I'm a natural earthbender. I think that I, uh, and you see that in like my high school days, I had a solid style, you know, solid. Uh, you know, not too fluid like a Kai Carlson Wee and not too fiery like maybe a farmer. But so my element is earth. Um, although, uh, you know, who like Pat Lennon is obviously air. I think, I think Billy, you got some fire. But, <laughs> and some fluidity. I love this stuff, you know. And yeah, it's uh, shout out to anime, basically. Uh, but 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 yeah, I do think I have a little bit of fire and a little bit of water that I'm developing. But I'm grounded in the earth. Yeah. That's yeah. a take on skiing cool. I never heard of before. I love that. Yeah, I love I mean, that. I, yeah, I remember trying like a really hard trick, trying to do a photo shoot for my BMAC thing with Shooty, and it was a topsail on a rail to a left foot sole, uh, a pretty big rail, to a left foot sole on a ledge that was like out, it was in LA. And I and it took, it was like one of those ones where you're like, I've tried it a million times, you know? And I, and I remember I would, I tried to channel every single element to make it happen, you know? And I've always kind of had that connection spiritually, like, like I, for a long time, I've kind of felt chi in my body, you know, energy. And I used to like, uh, and I still do, like I use my fingertips and I feel energy building until like kind of the meter gets there and then you, 
Oof. So, yeah. Nice. Very we cool. I love that. I love we that. No, that. definitely. And I, and I love the... I love the elements. It reminds me of like the old skating video elements and elements, elements one. <laughs> earth, water. Each skater had an element. Uh, earth, water. Dustin Latimer was famously air. Yeah, I think wasn't he? Yeah, and um, but very cool. Very. He might have been. I think he was all of it. You know, yeah, I think he was all. He's like Captain Planet. He was like Captain Planet. He brought it all yeah. together. Well, that was before he was the DL that he Perfect. became. Yeah. In, in Avatar The Last Airbender, the Avatar is the one person who has all the elements. And that's probably Very Latimer. Cool. That's Latimer. Yeah. Very cool. Definitely Latimer. Yeah. Thanos. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, this has been great. Kenji, this has been awesome. This episode, I love I this episode. Everything about it. We're going to... Yeah, we're going to do the Patreon Thanks video after this. Is there any last-minute shout-outs or anything else you wanted to say before we ended this podcast, though? Yes, I did prepare my thank yous because I didn't want to mess that up. And that's a hard thing. Okay, one second. I'm just going to read it because, you know, it's like so many people have helped me and I have so many people to say thank you to. I'm not going to say too many specific names because then I know I'm going to miss somebody. Um, thank you to the Minnesota crew. Thank you to, you know, SD homies, especially, you know, Santee crew for accepting us weirdo Minnesotans. Uh, thank you to the Shock Posse. Thank you to the Apples crew. Thank you to my family. Thank you to the Shway team. Thank you to my queer community in Minneapolis. Thank you to Jump Street. Thank you to this over the years. Thank you to Matt Rice for sponsoring me for the last 10 years when when he asked me to ride for deal with it i told him i'll only do it if you uh accept that i may never skate again i may never do anything and if you want me to ride for it then i will and here's the thing like it's not like sponsorships like a big deal anymore because there's just nothing going on in a way there's not a lot going on i feel it's hard but like one thing i've learned is that like if you go with the people that you feel that they that they care and they love of you and if it wasn't for matt again i wouldn't have made this little comeback he gave me the pro wheel and i never thought i'd get that and i remember when he of course i want to make a section and we discuss different options maybe we can do like a compilation of my previous work and it can be like a commemoration of like what i've done but I like went to the skate park and I was and I was out of shape and I tried to like think like can I still do this? I scared it like bad, you know. But <laughs> but then of course, you know, it's in us, you know, and it started to come back and Falcon is a local guy who filmed my last my promo section and my knee was so fucked up that like I could only skate for about an hour before I had to take my skates off and limp home. But I but you know thank you thank you matt you know i mean i would never leave deal with it i don't care if you people out there don't think we're cool i don't give a <laughs> i will never leave this company because matt is one of my dearest friends and that's it um and then uh lastly uh i said all that and and thank you thank you to the rollerblading community thank you 
everyone that we all we all put our lives into this and we built something and let's keep it going like i i want to be old and go to the skate park and whether or not i could put them on i want us to still be here so please you know please and thank you and to also to anyone who fucking dug my skating over the years <laughs> thank you hell yeah we feel, we feel the love over here um <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, lo I love everything you said right there. This episode has been awesome. Everybody watching, thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for the next Jump Street episode. We're going to also, if you're a Patreon member, stay tuned. We're going to watch some sections with Kenji right after this. So, Kenji, you stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We're going to end this, and then we're going to continue on with the Patreon. But everyone else, we'll see you all in the next episode. Peace.